listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, following. The following. Is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Mmm. This is a tasty burger. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Butter a carb? Will you stop eating? We else try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 20, season 3 of Foodies Watching Movies. I am your host, Veronica. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Nate and Sarah. How's it going, guys? It's me. What's <laughs> up, dudes? How's it going, everybody? We're back. We're back, yeah. It's we, been a while. We took like a weird week off because life got in the way. We were really busy. We had shows. Like Everything just kind of got in the way of doing foodies. So I actually pulled an episode out of the vault. It never made it onto the you know official podcast feed. Mm-hmm. It only ever aired on YouTube, but it was episode technically two. It was really three because we had done the cows episode, the Twister, the Twister episode, yeah, know, first one. That was our first one. But mm-hmm. this episode was with Brando. We were mm-hmm. talking about Batman. Which I want to say is really interesting that that's the episode you decided to release because it was the anniversary of... 89 Batman. I'm always on the pulse, man. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. how. You did it. Yeah. Did it. I was like a week early, but it was like right within the time frame. It's it was really in cool. the time frame because it was just a couple of days ago. Yeah. That the release of 89 Batman. That's I'm what asking I'm asking you. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought you were, t- I thought you were informing <laughs> You're not me. not even listening to me. <laughs> no, I was listening. I thought you were informing me. I didn't think you were asking. No, I was asking yes, you. Yes. It's the 30th anniversary since 89 Batman. I think it was June. <laughs> it was over this past weekend. 19th or something like that? 20th? No, Maybe it was the 21st? We posted it on our Foodies Watching Movies Facebook page, which you should all check out, by the way. <laughs> nice plug. Look at you. Uh, well, Certified gang star. Anyway, so yeah, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, you were talking about you pulled out an episode from the vault because we were unavailable. So it's good to finally be back is kind of what I'm saying. You know, it's yeah. nice. We've to had a be ton here. of food adventures and a lot of uh, movie adventures since we've last recorded an episode. Uh, did you want to get like right into that? Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, this is Foodies Watching I mean, you movies. have the agenda over there. Mm. Well, know. it's actually you guys getting into it because you guys are watching some shit. I don't get down <laughs> on Stephen King like that. <laughs> I'm just well, being real. I don't know if we do either. 
It's undecided. I don't know. This is like a project. <laughs> this is like an experiment, guys. So what are you what are you watching? A project. Uh what is this? The TV miniseries? The stand. The stand. Yeah. From, the nineteen ninety four. Yeah. TV but miniseries. it does not strike me as ninety four. There's some hardcore like I mean There's it's like more mullets than I can eighty eight through ninety four. But I guess like small towns, they're always like a ten years. Plus mm-hmm. behind, you know. I'm enjoying this because of its Twin Peaks ness. It really is. The long scenes, the, the very David Lynch uh, long cuts. Yeah, the lingering emotional encounters that we didn't ask for. Yeah, well, this is a five part mini series that we've been watching, and uh, I definitely don't think we needed to see parts one through three. No, they're so. not. They don't feel connected. <laughs> but maybe. You know, in some rousing ending, because we have not watched part four. No, we have not. We have not uh, watched the final part, The Stand. No, and Nate w- expressed interest. Don't let him fool you. He expressed interest in wanting to watch them. He's like, oh, so maybe I could, should watch so it. He could understand. Scientific purposes, yeah. folks, trying to... I don't think you're going to like it, though. It's all Well, in like... truth be told, when I walked in here last night after the things I was up to... I came in here. I thought you guys were watching Twin Peaks at first. I was like, they're watching Twin Peaks, but I don't recognize any of the shit going on to their characters or anything. This is strange. Wait, Rob Lowe was in mute, Twin yeah. Peaks? He yeah. Was a deaf mute. Oh, yeah, deaf mute Rob Lowe. <laughs> That's definitely the best part of the stand is watching Rob Lowe you know, act as a deaf mute. Man, it's becoming one of my favorite Rob Lowe's. <laughs> if you want to know. know. It was so sweet. He's yeah. very sweet in this movie. Very expressive and emotive with his face. And I just kept like in my mind, like flip flopping this Rob Lowe with Wayne's World Rob Lowe. Ooh. It was like Oh. For me, I've been flip flopping that Rob Lowe, you know, uh this Rob Lowe, the stand Rob Lowe versus Californication Rob Lowe. Okay. I, don't know, okay. I don't know if you've seen that version of Rob Lowe, but it was pretty gross. Uh, it's pretty hardcore. Well said. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really watch that show very much. Oh my god, I loved that show. I didn't watch that one. That was one of my favorites because I love David Duke. Yeah, yes, yes you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Indeed. It's common knowledge. David Duchovny. That was worth me? the whole Twin Peaks watch for you. Oh my god, that was just the that best. That was that was the best. I, yeah, the first time David that Duchovny I rewatched that after my childhood. Like this is another one. The Stand. I was going to talk about that. I'm glad I thought about it again. Uh, the stand, as we've been watching it, I keep having like uh, flashbacks to when I was a kid because my mom watched that stuff. Like she watched all of those, uh, the spooky miniseries like that. And, right. Um, she watched Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah. She watched that and she watched. I wonder um, if she watched Asteroid. Do you remember Asteroid? came out in 96 it was an no. nbc miniseries two parts no it was like I don't remember that asteroids are gonna hit earth extinction level event like it actually was pretty gruesome and the only reason i remember that movie first time i ever had a migraine in my life damn oh, and it just sticks in there because i really wanted to watch that my migraine impeded that she oh. probably saw that one yeah well yeah i I don't know. Sometimes I don't remember the titles of them. You just remember like weird scenery from right. it. That's how it was for Twin Peaks. Uh, I would remember the Black Lodge scenes from like my childhood because it was super creepy to me. Right. Like, and uh, you know anything with Bob. I remember being super freaked out by Bob when I was a kid. Yeah, that's some scary shit. Uh, but um, for uh, daytime TV or nighttime TV. Yeah, say. I remember this because I remember the the. Um, 
I don't know what role she's playing just yet because we haven't watched the end of it, but the old uh, woman that's out in the cornfield, you know, playing Mother Abigail. Yeah, Mother Abigail. I remember her and being like really weirded out by that because I was a church kid and this is all like churchy stuff, like the devil's in it. And we can't figure out the what the devil that has a righteous from. mullet. I did figure it out. Oh, remember? You did. Yeah, you, he's you from. It. We, I had to Google him because I was like thinking maybe he was from the flash i thought he was maybe jay garrick from the flash but it was not it was uh oliver queen's dad on arrow yeah he played the devil in the stand interesting he's like yeah he's been in a ton of movies like just like one of those rando characters you're like oh that guy from that movie so familiar you know and you try Mm -hmm. to put your finger on it Um, now i know yeah but he was uh yeah, he's the devil. So yeah, I remember when I was a kid that being like really scary to me and yeah. the whole vision thing and like just the Stephen Kingness of it, like the dead bodies that are just like, yeah. they just come to life, you know, but mm-hmm. now I'm just like, oh, uh, just watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, our talk will have to be, I guess, suspended until another podcast until we yeah, finish we it. Yeah, we will conclude our thoughts on The Stand once we've concluded The Stand. It's yeah. taken us a while to get through it because we've been so busy. it's bad so far. <laughs> it's been really <laughs> shitty. I mean, it's, I gotta say, Gary so Sinise is, is in it. Molly Ringwald is in it. Oh, she oh, bugs. She bugs so hard she in this movie. She bugs in this one. She doesn't bug for me in other movies. No, she really bugs it's because this, this is one, just though. like a bad teleplay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, this is like out of her prime Molly yeah. Ringwald, though. Like after the yeah, this isn't 1988 Molly Ringwald. This is 1994, 95 Molly Ringwald. with very very thin black eyebrows and a very small black bob haircut. Weird. Like yeah. she's borderline like goth in this movie, but she's like all wholesome and kind of hoary yeah <laughs> everybody's kind of a scum i mean and the story like it just jumps around so hard like it's so we, we put on rough, we put on part three and i was like did we fucking miss like part two and a half or something because yeah i have no idea what's it, going on they're like and there's no like it. recap there's no, no. uh some 90s shit yeah there's no segues it's just yeah here's clearly these characters. it seemed like there was no budget but there so, was so it pretty much is demanding you watch it in one five-hour sitting so you remember everything is kind of what you're getting at? But, well, that's not how it aired, though. No, it, it aired was, over a four-week period. Yeah, like a whole month. Mm-hmm. So it's like once a week that you would watch it. But like from week to week, you know, this was obviously in the days when you had to remember everything. So There was they no didn't, previously on the stand. Yeah, they didn't do any sort of recap. And then you're just they just drop you in the middle of these characters that all of a sudden they'll just be making out in the woods and you're like, oh, well, we're supposed to care about this now. And then all of a sudden, like, (laughs) characters from one part of the world and a different part of the world will just, like, hook up and all of a sudden they're, like, on the same journey together. You know why it is? Why? I know why. Because Stephen King adapted the teleplay for this miniseries from his book. And The Stand is a very, very long book. Yes, it is. Because there's so many characters and Stephen King didn't want to have to cut anything that he deemed important. So all Which these the random fucking characters are the important parts of the right, story. Right, but you him. only have a f- you only have like four Less parts. Than 6 hours to You tell. have 5 hours yeah. and 54 minutes to tell this whole massive fucking book and he just was not willing to cut any of the characters allegedly. I haven't read the stand. Now I kind of want to, but uh, I heard it was very good. My mom has a copy of it. I mean, every I remember back in the day people reading it and telling me it was very good. And I think that's know. what the big problem was because another Stephen King miniseries 
uh, The Shining suffered from oh, yeah, the same I problem. Heard that one was bad. I never wanted to watch it. Oh, it was just terrible. <laughs> it was so long. Yeah. Like I watched it because I had to for myself. I loved the book, The Shining. Mm-hmm. I loved Stanley Kubrick's version of like his adaptation of it, which is totally different. Which is totally different from the book. Yep. But this Stephen King miniseries that I watched, The Shining. Uh, it was it was just terrible, but it was very very faithful to the book, which is what he wanted it to be. So he's just like, I lo- I love Stephen King as an author. I love his his shitty movies. I love the B movie theater like the quality of it. Yeah. But they're just that's what they are. They're never going to be like, you know, ex- they're that, never going to be really good. Well, and that's him, and that's okay. It's, yeah, yeah. You th- know, that's it, that's just what he wanted. It just to be. has that level of. I don't want to say cheesiness to it, but it's got that level of cheese, you know? But Stephen King is kind of one of those pioneers that adapted his work from one medium to the next. And, you know, that's becoming more of an art form now, being able to think, like like you said, he doesn't find certain characters not important because they're all important to him. Right, so he's yeah. trying to so jam-pack it all into one tiny little miniseries, and it's so convoluted. Like, they have to do so many jump cuts and quick cuts. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, where are we? Okay, who are these people? They don't mm-hmm. even say some of these people's names, and then you're supposed to be sad when they get blown up or whatever, you know? Right. It's I'm ridiculous. Almost, I'm almost wondering if he made this uh, series so that, uh, like, for readers, who people who had already read the book, like he just assumed that people read right. the book, right? You know, so that he didn't have to fill in any of the gaps. Right. Like oh. it was almost just like a, like just a vignette of the characters or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it, it just the pacing it just was is like strange. A, a really weird play, like yeah. with Mother Abigail's bizarre like monologues where she's talking to God. Like I could just see it how it yeah. was written in the book, and it's like okay, they're literally just like. <sighs> Yeah, it was, it was a bad play, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, we love that. I'm That's, I'm all about that. I mean, community theater. Yeah, I'm That's, a theater kid at heart. You know, so we it doesn't matter if it's cheesy. Blood. If it, if it has good heart, you're into it. Well, yeah, because yeah. there's. A, I mean, it doesn't have to be super serious. It no. could be like super serious about its silliness. You know what I mean? Okay, it takes its silliness seriously. Ooh, I like that. That's like a whole different genre of horror. Where you know it's slightly tongue in cheek, but you don't know if it's supposed to be tongue in cheek. But you just kind of go yeah. with it because it's that's what's presented to you. Yeah, well, it's like that with any movies that are just underground movies, I guess. People's efforts that are not Hollywood. Hollywood really ruins it for people that make movies from the ground up. I think. Right. I really do because it's not that they're setting a standard, it's that they're setting some sort of precedent. They're saying this is how you're supposed to make a movie and all other movies are stupid. All other ways of doing it is, you know, right. lesser than or whatever. Because money but talks. When you think about it, I mean, what's the way that most people consume stories? They, you know, they go to see the Hollywood stuff, but a lot of people, you know, if they're going to try to make a story themselves or tell it, it's going to be community theater style. There's a reason that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's because most people, like, when they're telling a story, like, I'm thinking about the Stephen King thing now it, and how disjointed it is. Like, if somebody's telling you a story about something, sometimes it's like that. Oh, then this guy came over here, mm-hmm. and then we did this over here, and then this happened, and blah, blah, blah. You know, and somehow you find continuity in that. And right. that's why it's an art form. You it's know, not, art instead of just a yeah. Hollywood production, a formula of, you know, 
having it to be blended all perfectly. Right. You can always have a formula because formulas work. Right. That's the reason that they're, they're a formula, but you're going to get the same thing every time. That's where the product thing comes right. in. Every superhero and movie has its little plot. Uh, yeah, like, where you start to get the sense, oh, I've heard of, heard this before. Mm-hmm. Same old song and dance, you know? Right. Um, but that's why I like movies that are made by people that are trying to do things their own way, you know? Mm-hmm. Because then you get things that are truly different. And yeah, it seems weird at first. Like, okay, David Lynch, still weird. Even, you know, since the 80s weird but Mm -hmm. the dude has his own way of telling a story and if you just kind of go with it it becomes its own thing that's art you just go with it right you you go with it and it either you like it or you don't does but it's irrelevant whether you like it or not it's just it is it's art Mm -hmm. just looking at the brush strokes differently yeah Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you get into an artist based on how they paint and you look at a, a director and they direct in a certain way that you connect to and you guys really connect to david lynch he may be not necessarily my cup way. of tea but in a weird way you guys like him because of the bizarreness it's an appreciation yes mm-hmm. exactly yeah. it's, it, it's exactly. Looking, an understanding it's looking like at, i see you guy uh-huh yeah and you I listen you. to interviews with david lynch and you hear him talk about his art and his movies transcendental meditation right and you see that this man and his movies are one the way that he is. Right. Like, kind of like John Waters and, and Quentin Tarantino. Yes. yes. And they are that, their art. And that's why it's successful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's bad or not. Bad and good is irrelevant. It's that it's, it, whether it's successful as art or not, you know, that's, that's why you can go to the Contemporary Art Museum and you can see a blank canvas with a few flecks of paint on it and somebody will pay thousands and thousands of dollars for it. Right. You know, it's, it's the intention and it's you know a lot of times it's about the artist and not even about the piece it's like one and the same people will be like oh a five-year-old could have made that and then be like well a five-year-old didn't make it this artist made it and and that's why why. it's art right (laughs) you know it's yeah that's like a perfect segue into a pretty uh cool story we have yeah yeah experienced recently we got to do something that as foodies watching movies was really cool because we got to like kind of go out and go to a movie premiere that wasn't typical. It wasn't like going to a Thursday night Avengers yeah. movie or something. We where don't it was live just in a... Hollywood. Correct. We don't, we don't get to go. We live by Chicago. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, we don't get to do these kind of things. It was very, it was, it was, yeah, it was exciting for us. So we got to actually witness the world premiere of Glenn Danzig's movie Veronica. Mm-hmm. And that's based on a comic book, so it's kind of cool because it's like this crossover of Journey into Comics as well that got to experience it, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and and the medium and whatnot. And I tell you, to really piggyback off of where you were segueing, Glenn Danzig is unapologetically his art. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I love about him. Like that's what I've always loved. Oh, without question, <laughs> seeing this movie and his vision, he knows what he wants he goes for it he puts it out in front of himself and he says i don't give a fuck if you don't think it's good or don't like it or don't understand it there are people who are gonna and that's the point there are people that are going to connect to it and that's the point right you know and all you want as a director or as a filmmaker or as any kind of medium of an artist is a reaction Mm -hmm. and being at that premiere there was quite a positive, in my opinion, reaction to this movie. Well, yeah. What I thought was cool was that he was, you know, it was uh, it was at Cinepocalypse at the Music Box Theater in mm-hmm. Chicago. And it was uh, 
the premiere of Veronica, and he was up in the balcony watching everybody's reactions through uh, throughout the movie, and then he did a Q&A at the end with uh, one of the hosts from the event. Josh Goldblum, I yeah, think is I his think name. it was the person who founded the event. Yes, I want to say that he created the Cinepocalypse event. Hmm. Yeah, I liked that uh, after after uh, the movie aired, he did the Q&A and he was like, yeah, well, you guys you guys laughed at some parts that I didn't really think you were going to laugh at. Mm-hmm. You guys are pretty fucking, pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are pretty fucked up or well, something like that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes things don't come off as you intend. And he's a first time filmmaker. You know, this is this is his first effort. At, at making a film and doing the music and the directing and producing and all this. I mean, he had a team of people helping him. But, right. And he's been I going mean, through this for years doing yeah. like music videos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's his own creative director. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's what people appreciate about him, you know, like, a, right. A, so it doesn't matter. I've had so many people yeah. ask me, was it any good? Was it good? Was it good? And I'm yeah. just like, I had a fucking blast. I had a great time. <laughs> you know, like, and anybody, for me, that's what it was about. Anybody that likes that kind of horror that has practical effects, that old school thing. Yeah. You know. It was I mean, super, like, zero budget. Yeah, you're going to love it. It just, it has that that thing going on, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, well, everybody remembers the whole, uh, the, what was it, Dead Alive, Peter Jackson's Peter Jackson's. Uh, first effort, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't that his very first it movie? It was his first movie. Yeah. And, um. It has the whole practical effects thing. I mean, the rat monkey, my God, that was the one of my mowers. favorite things. Like, <laughs> yeah. But um, this this Veronica film had had that whole thing going on. And, um, you know, some of the laughs he did admit uh, were not intended because of the, they didn't finish editing some parts of it. You right. Know, there he's, were some editing And he, they were late bringing ups. it there yeah. because they were still working on some glitches and yeah. stuff. And that's just, that's, but that's DIY film. punk, man. Yes. Do yes, it, it yourself. Is. That's what I appreciate about so much is the, the do it yourself mentality. Right. And um, because going, then it's yours. Yes. Yeah. And going back to what I think Nate said about um, translating medium, you know, from one medium to the next, uh, you know, like if when we were talking about Stephen King with yes. the book into the movie, you know, or comic books into movies, you know, mm-hmm. there really is an art to that. It's a different medium. You know, you and you're conceptualizing for a comic. Uh, you may or may not be conceptualizing something that would translate to a different medium like film, you know, because film is moving. It's in real time. Mm-hmm. It, it it paces itself differently because each reader, when you're, when you're doing a comic book, the pacing is at the reader's own pace. You know, you have to set the pace in a film. Right. So it, it, it's a totally different thing when you're translating from one to the next. And that's why it's impressive to me when somebody like Glenn Danzig says, no, I'm going to do this all myself. I'm going to try to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did. To me, when I was watching it, it did feel like a comic book that had, like like you took the comic book and it was like storyboarded, you know? Right. It, it felt... It felt it, it like felt, it was film storyboarded. Yeah, like it felt like it was, if I imagined what a comic book storyboard would be like, you know, just pastiched onto the onto the film. That That's kind of how it, it felt mm-hmm. when, in terms of pacing. And a know? lot of people said that, you know, if you are a fan of the comic books, and you're going to really appreciate this yeah. movie because it's taking, you know, stories directly from, from Veronica. Yeah, and they're like uh, just strange little... Horror creative, vignettes. Horror vignettes, you know. There were three, yeah. 
Yeah, just like uh, there's some goofy shit in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it starts, starts there's off some, with bang. There's some uh, yeah. choice acting and uh, lots of lots of titties and yeah, it was <laughs> musical score. Everybody, if yeah, there's some Danzig music in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he did the whole thing, whole, you know, all the music. And there's some uh, if you're fans of the his more um, classical efforts like Black Aria mm-hmm. and all of you know all of that stuff. His, uh, which I believe he was honing. It, it's uh, those albums sound to me like he was honing uh, his film music side. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very atmospheric and fits well for movie scores. Right. I, I particularly pay attention to where he uses the piano, and that's just me. Like I always pay attention to the piano whenever it always speaks to me in any movie score. But um, well, yeah, because you're a piano it, player. <laughs> yeah, he uses it very effectively, and um. This does actually. This kind of segues into what happened. Our uh, story of after, mm-hmm. uh, if we want to talk about that. But um, we did. Uh, we were standing around um, mingling with some fans afterwards, and uh, we were blessed uh, that Glenn Danzig came out and met with uh, the handful of fans that we were standing there um, talking about the movie and stuff. It was wonderful. We got to shake his hand. I have uh, been wanting to do that for a very long time. But hmm. I got to speak with him very briefly, albeit because, uh, you know, everybody was getting things signed and all of that. I <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like we were just going to the movie premiere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're like, like, we, we don't have anything for you to sign. But it, <laughs> I was like, I don't have anything to sign. I just really wanted to say uh, hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did. I just wanted to shake his hand. But um, I, a reason I'm even bringing it up is uh, – I got, I'm always trying to talk to musicians about music, you know, even Mm -hmm. in in the brief moments I can have, uh, meeting somebody, but, um, I told him where in the movie that I enjoyed hearing the piano. I don't want to say anything because anybody out there that should, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of anything horror related at all, you have to see this movie. You you have to. Yeah. (laughs) You have to. I, I mean, I, if I were to watch this, not at a movie premiere, if somebody just brought it like to my house, uh, bootleg or otherwise, you know, don't support hooked. bootlegs. But well, you're hooked. <laughs> don't support bootlegs. But anyhow, <clears throat> if some, if I saw this by any means, um, I would tell some, I'd tell people to go see this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I would suggest it because it's it's too much fun. It's it really fan. fun. <laughs> but um, anyhow, I was uh, I was complimenting him on the use of the piano in a, in a particular scene that I liked, and um, he told me that he used it extended techniques that you know like reached inside the piano and mm-hmm. was dragging across the strings for certain parts of it and um creating acoustic effects with the piano which uh is good that's a more you know uh creative way to use the piano rather than just sitting there you know at digital keyboards or whatever they don't create right. the same effects you know i appreciated that because he used practical effects in his movie Right. So to hear that he used um, a real sort of, piano, I, I'm going to call it a practical effect for the piano. Mm-hmm. You know, any any time you're using actual strings when it comes to the piano, that I would consider some sort of effect. It fits. It fit nicely. Totally. And um, yeah, the score was not. It, he didn't overscore it in any places. I thought it it was like the parts. I mean, there were parts that was just songs. You know, yeah, the stripper the, and scene. You know what? The, some of those songs he yeah. said were not him doing them. They found music they wanted to yeah. use but couldn't, so then they found somebody to do something like what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very – it's a common way to approach it. I mean, that's how we have John Williams. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's Steals from Holtz. Him. 
Yeah. Make well, something borrows. like Gustav Holst the planets. Okay, good. <laughs> Try not to copy off of it directly. Right. <laughs> We're in business. But um, <laughs> pe- that's this short synopsis. You can read all about John Williams on the internet. He's <laughs> a wonderful man, a uh, wonderful composer. But um, anyhow, it is. It, you, that's how we got a lot of film music was from that. But um, yeah, song song parts aside, I, I thought that he did an excellent job scoring for, for it being his first effort, you know. I just think myself going from the angle of composer, you know, having a first effort out there, you know. Yeah. And sometimes reactions just aren't what you expect. That's all about like, for me anyways, like when you're when you're composing something, you know, you're it's all about control on the paper. You know, whatever you put on the paper is what the musician is going to do. Mm-hmm. And you can control all these different nuances based on exactly what you put where on the paper and how you put it. And I mean, you can. Anyway, I don't want to get into it, but it's the same. I imagine it's the same, like just on a grander scale with a film, you know, with a movie. You you try to control people's reactions to certain things. You intend for certain things to be funny. You intend for thir- certain right. things to be scary or to be disturbing or or to be whatever. And um, yeah, sometimes it can just be like the difference of like like one second too long on a scene or one second too short, you know, or sometimes it comes down things, to editing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that totally take your intention and turn it left for right. good or for worse. Exactly. You know? And I, I think that's where his comments came from that you were talking about earlier, where he said, you guys laughed in places that, you know, I didn't imagine mm-hmm. that you would laugh in, you know, mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, it's all, it's all a, a difficult journey. I don't think I'd, I'd want to make a movie. <laughs> I think no. I'd be I think I'd be okay just kind of being on the team. I don't know if I'd want to like Helm the decisions. Whole thing. Yeah, I that's, every decision rides on you. I feel that's like if I was going to make a movie that would be the position I'd want to be in though because I'd want to make sure True. that everything was executed to my standard. Yeah, yeah. Whatever standard vision. I said, yeah. I don't know, but you know what I mean. You guys know me that I would end up doing that anyways, but I'm I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want I to. I used to love making movies. I took a film I took a couple of film classes here and there like when I was in college and some film stuff in high school and I always wanted to make like little short films. I always I don't know why I never did, but I never did. Maybe hmm. someday. Well, well, I guess we'll have to have some... Maybe we need to make some music videos. Well, I like that you kind of segue back to that, though, because the Veronica movie was three short films, three separate stories. Yeah. And you know what? I, I liked that they were... They had, like, similar horror tone, but they were also unique. Different mm-hmm. mindset, different mm-hmm. time of, you know, like, where it was happening in history, as it were, or whatever... Also, it was almost as if, I don't know what the word to say here is, but it was almost as if he was really trying to get the color palettes to pop like comics. Because where there was color, man, like her pink hair, for example, Mm -hmm. that was the pinkest fucking hair you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Go look at the comic cover where that chick is on there with the pink hair. It's bright as shit. Like he brought it to life. And you're just like, wow, Mm -hmm. that little attention to detail just really... Gives your movie this special energy, I think. Yeah, it was a good one. It was it was pretty fun. I had a good time. I can't wait for a new podcast that's debuting on the network here shortly to get their hands on Verotica and talk about it. Yeah, because our buddy Mister Dave Linder is debuting a new show soon, 
and it literally is about these kind of movies and talking about them. Great. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I, I'm not going to say anything further. We're not going to spoil their debut. It's coming soon. But um, yeah, that's I, I, I would see. I would we'll have see to do a crossover event. I'm all about that. I would foodies. see. I would see Veronica again, like two times at least. Well, they're going to be releasing it on Halloween. How fitting! Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. I yeah, they know. announced the release date was Halloween. For like a like video on demand, DVD, whatever. Oh, great! I yeah. w- I wonder if they're going to do any like special editions. I doubt he's it. All, I don't know. He's all about special edition stuff, right? He really is. I don't know. You have to check out the Seventh House uh, fan yeah, page. Man, I want director's cuts. <laughs> or like commentary. extended. Oh, that would be <laughs> awesome. Extended you want the extras? Yeah, all the goodies. I want to hear Glenn Danzig talking underneath this movie. I want to hear him talking about. Yeah, it. commentating it. I want to know what he was thinking about when he was bringing these certain scenes to life off his comics. I want to know. And like yeah. scoring it because, like, think about that. How many movies out there did somebody do know. all the stuff for? You know, not, not a lot. I mean, including the soundtracks. So, I mean, he did that. You know, the the music part of it. It's like, I want to hear that perspective. Like, the like what, you know, because when you're directing and doing all, I mean, you have control of all these different facets of what's going on. You know, it would just be very interesting. Yeah, so I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd give it a listen. Uh, yeah, duh. But, uh, <laughs> should we, anybody have any other thoughts about? I, I do have a thought about that night because we had a delicious steak dinner. Ah, the segue. Well, I just want to talk way. about the thing, the steakway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the thing that got us kind of through the premiere because we needed to fuel up. Yeah. So I got to work and I made us some delicious steak. So many times we're out and about in the world doing things and we never get to fucking eat. All the time, I hate it. It sucks. It, it happens to us all the time. We have a show. Let's make sure we leave to make sure we have enough time to eat before we go. No. We're just going to go straight there and get gas station snacks. So we weren't fucking around that night because we were going to meet Danzig. Like, this is, uh-uh. So Nate made them good steaks. Man, I you know, I did something crazy because my thought was like, I typically make the same kind of steak. Salt, pepper, butter, garlic, lemon, home run, game over. You don't have to do much. And I was like, you know what, though? Like, I'm going to mix it up. Changes. You're so cocky about your steaks. It's true. Just saying. Best in the world. Um, but I just wanted this to be like different tonight. I was like, I want to try a different kind of steak. Change is good. So I do salt, pepper, and fresh coffee grounds. Okay, that's it. And then butter. I, you know, serum, do the basting, do the, all that shit that I typically do. Get all sides of the meats seared, put them on a pan and bake them. Typically, I don't do that. It got them flawlessly cooked. It was the best cooked steak I've ever made, I think. The next time you need to make steak, though, you need to do it the exact same way, but use that cast iron skillet. Yes. Because then you just keep it in the same pan and put it the whole pan in the oven to finish it off in there. Yeah, and make sure to wear a glove so you don't burn the fuck out of your hand. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. And don't put the glove in the oven. Correct. (laughs) Glove and oven. (laughs) Or the towel or whatever you're using. Oh, shit. Yeah, that would be bad. No, so we made that. That was delicious. We've had a lot of good food ventures. We have. We've been uh, been doing better on our food adventures lately. For instance, what we had today was incredible. We haven't even talked about that. No. Nate finally decided to try making... 
this uh, creme brulee French toast that I have to make for the restaurant I work at. And I've seen you make it a couple times, so I'm just like, in my head I kept going, I could do that, I can do that. Like, And I've actually helped partially do that. I've seen some of the process. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've never seen it go into the oven, be baked, and how that process goes. So I'm completely Right, because when there. I make it, I'm just prepping it for the cafe, and then it s- sits overnight, and they use it the next day. Which you actually told me is a, a, pro- a part of the process that was actually necessary. I wish I would have known that. I would have prepped this well, I did tell last you. night. No, I'm saying I didn't realize it was such an important part. <laughs> Let's not be uh, confused here. I did tell you that it needs to sit overnight, but it would probably be okay. And it was. Yeah. So you make this creme brulee French toast and... You know, you. I took two sticks of butter, liquefied them down. Holy shit! Covered. I'm gonna have like a fucking heart attack. Hold on, listen, listen. You'll you'll understand why I did what <laughs> I did. Poor arteries. Four of them. I ate. <laughs> I ate so much of this fucking shit. You I probably like ate like a stick a and a half of butter today. Hold on. My poor little arteries. Listen. So I had to do the two sticks of butter down. So that I could get the whole bottom pan covered with butter, because that's how you do it. You know, what you guys use... We use clarified clarified butter. butter. Liquid clarified butter. Then I put the brown sugar down, and then I cut the bread up nice, dipped it in its mixture. I'm not going to spoil that, because that's like... Trade secret. Giving away the trade secret. My boss would kill me. You put the mixture together, and then you put it on the pan, and then you cook it. We cooked it like 20 minutes, but then the brown sugar and the butter crystallize on the bottom of the bread caramelizes Caramelizes. the bread and oh my fucking god man yeah you just put a lot of did you put vanilla in it today yes i did did? yeah Mm -hmm. i did add vanilla Mm -hmm. and i also when they were sitting right fresh out of the oven i took the stick of butter we had that was sitting out and i just did little swipes on each thing so it had a nice level of moisture on the bottom so that when you flipped it it stayed nice and not stuck to the the plate Sprinkled a little bit of sea salt. I tasted the salt. I was tasting that. I was like, Just keep the salt bit. in this. <laughs> it was really good, though. I thought it was really good. It made yeah, it, it was all right. It I, set liked it off. It. I liked it. What really set it off, though, was Sarah cut up some fresh strawberries. Because we didn't have fucking syrup. Because I don't know why. I don't know what we, happened. There was no syrup here. Well, so confusing. It was better with the strawberries, I think. Yeah. But it would have been even better, better. with strawberries and, and syrup. syrup. <laughs> This yeah, I need sugar. all the different kinds of sugars in one bready breakfast. And I had that. It was it was great. It was very, very good. So I have a question. We had this delicious breakfast that was homemade today. Not to pat my own back. That's my own D. But. Oh, you forgot. To, you neglected to mention that we bought French bread. Oh, yeah. We, brought, yeah. we bought French, French bread, bread that I cut. And I did a good job cutting the same thickness, I thought, this time. Yeah. I yeah, figured out yeah. a system. But anyways, my question to you guys is, this is a homemade, delicious breakfast. Does this beat out Saturday morning or Sunday morning's Waffle House breakfast post-show? It's different. It was different. That's totally a totally different. different beast. That has nothing to do with each other. Nope. What? I'm using it as <laughs> Good a segue because it's, bre- it's breakfast. It's breakfast. <laughs> we did have some killer fucking breakfast it at the Waffle House. Oh, Delimptions. We were driving home from a show the other night in Muncie and... Uh, it was, it was getting on, and it, we were like, "There's a Waffle House. We have to go to 
Waffle House. We just have to make it to Waffle House. Mm-hmm. And we did. And it was great. It was a very Twin Peaks diner-esque ex- experience. The waffles are worth it at the Waffle House. We ordered a second waffle. Believe the hype. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why you and I decided not to get waffles. We got everything but waffles. And then we were like, what are we doing? Can we order a they waffle? They saw my waffle. And they were like, oh, we made a mistake. Let's get yeah, a waffle. Yeah, because oh, yeah, Sarah's like, can I have a bite of your waffle? And I was like, no, you need to get your own. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that's You're going to want your own. Yeah, that's not typical in the food world for the three of us. We're pretty... Yeah, usually I, I'll share, but uh, no. You no. ended up giving I, me a bite. That's how I ended up ordering one. So I took one bite of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I was like, I'm just kidding. You can I have a bite. That. <laughs> I, that. I like that they their waffle irons have the Waffle House logo imprinted on them. So when yeah. you have your waffle, it says Waffle House. Yeah. And the onions that they use, like I, I got. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, holy we got our shit. hash browns extra crispy. And let me say uh, this first before I talk about these onions, because. Uh, the portions are perfect at Waffle House. Uh, they don't give you too much. I don't know if anybody else out there it gets annoyed when they give you, like, I, I call them, like, old people portions. When you go to those bre- those restaurants that you just get, like, you, A fuck you ton ask of shit. for two eggs and they give you four eggs. And you're like, I don't ever eat four eggs. Right. Now I feel like a jerk Wasteful. because I can't eat all my food and I don't want it later. Right. I just wanted to sit and eat this food. And then they'll be meat. like, oh, is everything okay? Uh, yeah, it's too much fucking food. Yeah. I'm one that I don't like to be burdened with left leftovers. Yeah, I, just, I don't either. I get weird about it. I don't like to be wasteful and I don't like to throw them away. And I'm also really lazy about repurposing them. So I like when <laughs> I'm with I, you. I'm with I you. really appreciate a meal that's perfectly portioned. Waffle House does that good. But these little <laughs> onions that were in the hash browns were unbelievable. I don't know what kind of onions. They, they had used. to have been like, like a Vidalia. sweet Vidalia. It oh had to have God. been a sweet Vidalia onion because it was so good. And they were like perfectly tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny little diced little onions. Little tiny cubes. Yeah, of perfect, delicious, sweet onions uh, in the hash browns. Because yeah, you can get your excellent. hash browns like all different kinds of ways at Waffle House. I was not aware of that. I got mine covered in spicy or something. Yeah, they have nicknames for all of the things. Yeah, covered was with cheese, right? Yeah, yeah delicious. Smothered, I think, was onions. Something like yeah, that. and then they have like uh, they had a lot Mushrooms, of Mushrooms. Hey, wait a minute. Ham. Where's my phone? Yeah. All different kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, you can look at I oh, took yeah, a you picture and picture. sent it to Buckles. Oh. Oh, yeah, our buddy. Shout out to Buckles. I mean, yeah. I've been enjoying his new uh, food meme page on Facebook. What was it called, Nate? Oh, uh, Food is Good and Other Things, I think. And other stuff. Yeah, I'm looking that up (laughs) now. There's been some funny memes on that one. I've been enjoying that. (laughs) Yeah, what were you doing? Oh, you're looking for Waffle House? Yeah. Yeah, All the different names for the hash browns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had a good-looking menu. I was pretty pleased. And it wasn't overwhelming with choices. No. Like when you go to some breakfast restaurants and it's like five pages of different shit you can get and then you just spend an hour looking at the menu. Yeah, no, one menu front and back. One page for breakfast and the other page for lunch and beyond. All right, here we go. Hash browns, you can get a regular size for 240 a large for 290 or a triple for 320 Just so you know. That's a lot of hash browns, I'm thinking. The triple is probably an entire yeah. fucking plate. But you can get them smothered. That's sautéed onions, covered, melted cheese, chunked, hickory smoked yeah. ham. Diced, grilled tomatoes, peppered, jalapeno peppers, capped, grilled mushrooms, topped, birch chili, or country sausage gravy. Now, I can get on board with the country, okay? (laughs) I love me some good sausage gravy. I wish I could have 
See, I would have mm. alternately liked to get them topped with the chili, possibly. Like, that might have been good. Or just getting them straight up well done and then putting fucking ketchup on them like a criminal. The I well know. done was unreal. It was oh, like... They so yeah, were we like got ours crispy. Chips. They were good. They were so good. They were perfect. Yeah, and those onions were stellar. My eggs were okay. I don't think I would get scrambled eggs from there again because they were just like a little under. Like I don't like runny scrambled eggs, and that's kind of how it was. They were just like soft scrambled. Next time I'll get them over medium. Did they get your eggs right, Sarah? You never get your eggs Uh, right. They were on the runny side of over medium. The yolk was not. How do we? Let's ask. Let's ask. Let's ask everybody out in the world. If you know the answer to this, please let me know. But. How are you supposed to order eggs when you don't want them runny, but you don't want them hard-boiled? And you don't want yeah, them fried. You don't want them fried. Because when they're fried, they get They're burnt. over medium. No. Because every time I've said, I want over medium eggs, it, the they're runny. fucking runny. Yeah. The yolk is runny. And that's over easy. I know how to make good over medium eggs. I do Sarah too. is the queen of making perfect over medium eggs. Yeah. Like, we know what over medium eggs are supposed to be like. And we don't get them at restaurants. Why? Yeah, it's almost like soft-boiled in a skillet. The problem is is that they're all making these eggs on a flat top, and they're cooking them at the same temperature, which means if you want a hard-boiled, like, if you want a soft, what is it, over-medium egg, you have to cook it low and slow. Right. But if they're cooking it on the same skillet that they're cooking a fried egg on, you can't you cook it low and egg. slow because you're going to get a fucking fried egg. Yeah, or you're going to get an it's over heat, easy. It's heat problem. Yeah. Because they're just too not much cooking heat. them in a separate pan. Heat. Yep. That would be the solution. <clears throat> Cook it in a separate pan and give me my eggs how I ask for them. Uh, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> motherfuckers. Sorry. The I'm a little, medium egg, a little spicy fair, today. Is the most difficult egg to execute. Which one? Probably over medium. Yes. It really is because you can't tell other than by feel. Like I just have made so many of them that I know when I tap <laughs> the spatula just slightly on the yolk mm-hmm. when it's at the right amount of firmness that when I take it off and it sits for a minute because it continues to cook a little bit mm-hmm. that it's going to be just the right thing. Like it's all about, it, you can't tell. Like over easy is fine. You just, oh, it looks done. I guess it's done. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, and if it's too runny, well. you can but always like, just put a lid over it and cover it right. and let the steam heat it. They don't do that though. Right. I don't know why. They just the the art of the over medium egg is something that it's lost to them. Yeah, to these, uh, I, it's a rare day that I get it, that they get it right at any restaurant I've been to. Mm-hmm. You know, fancy brunch places all the way down. I used to know? hate having to make eggs when I was a when I was a cook, uh, a line cook because uh, I was so busy making other things because I was the only person back there, mm-hmm. the only cook during service. It's so dumb. Restaurants. Why do you only Hire one cook. That's so dumb. Anyway. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. So th- I was working for this bar that was, uh, I was, you know, the sole chef for, essentially, when I was on my shift. So I had to do all of the takeaway orders as well as the dining room orders. Yeah, so I'm making horrible. hundreds of fucking beef sandwiches every night. And then some asshole would order a fucking fried egg burger or something. I'd be like, oh, now I have to get out my frying pan. I have to do all of these things. Like in the midst of, you know, being a line cook, I had to be like a chef. And it was a bummer. I will never do that job again. Yeah, places like that just throw things on a menu without thinking about the prep. And thinking about what it's actually going to take to make a certain item at this time of night when these people are ordering this many, like you, if it's late, because I can't cross contaminate. Like it's it's yeah, it's stupid, stupid shit. Need a that's dumb. 
<sighs> some Ooh, small I'm town shit. About that bar now, and I want fresh food. I have a question. No, I need some fruit. Do oh, we have this fruit here? We need to eat. Do you want to try the fruit? I do. We bought some new fruit today. Let's do it. Uh, we don't typically eat on on the podcast because people have like chewing issues with yeah, sound no, and stuff. I'm not. But we got some new, interesting. What are they called? Sun gold kiwis. No, there's actually like a weird Z name. Yeah, I brought the little tag here. Um, What's it say? Oh, here you can read it. Zespri. That's the brand, Nate. Oh, they're called Sun Gold Kiwi Fruits <laughs> because they are yellow instead of green. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I th- Refreshing tropical sweet taste. Zespri kiwi is one of the most nutrient dense fruits. Great. Uh, yeah. Shit. I'll, we I'll need try nutrients. it. One su- uh, sun gold kiwi is the equivalent of eight oranges, two watermelons, and 4.9 bananas. Jesus. <laughs> well. In a uh, count of me. nutrients or some, some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll <right>. start. <laughs> Here, everybody, everybody take a kiwi. Okay. Train of our existence showing up on the podcast. You want the fork? I also want to say sorry that we're a little bit late on the podcast. We've been really busy. Things are crazy. And yeah, uh, yeah. we wanted to get this one up to you guys. So we're doing this day <laughs> of, but it's going to be a good one, I think. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm about to enjoy this kiwi. Let's uh, cheers, everyone. Toast. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's yummy. Mellow. Ooh, it's so soft. It's, it doesn't it's, have mm. the same texture as a kiwi. It's good. It's it not as like rindy a, as a kiwi. Oh, it's almost like an mm. avocado. It it's super has smooth. A, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a banana. Gritty. It's got like yeah. almost a banana texture. Almost. But it's mm-hmm. not But it's, it's not, not as like spongy. Yeah. yeah, kiwi are like that spongy thing. This is like, um, you know what? I hate to say it. It's, it's almost like a, like a cranberry. Like when you get the jellied cranberries. Yeah. That's the texture. Oh man, I yeah. think I just found a new favorite but kiwi. But it's natural. I don't know it's one. not jellied cranberry. Mm. But that's it's a, natural that's ass kiwi, sun gold kiwi. Ooh, and it man. still has a little crunch from the seeds. Yeah. And it's got the yeah. tartness of a kiwi, but it's not like mm. making my mouth hurt. No, no, it's not as acidic. And uh, when I peeled it, the the because you know kiwis are like hairy mm. on the outside, mm-hmm. um, and I was just peeling it like with a paring knife, you know, around the edges. But the the skin on this particular kiwi mm. is not as hairy as a kiwi, like because you know sometimes you'll be peeling kiwi and you get those little the, the fibers brown fibers. All over you. Yeah, this you you don't get any of that. The skin is thinner. On this Interesting. Kiwi. That yeah. was really good. I They're want like ten more. Good. Well, we have more. We have a whole little yeah. We have a whole box. Yeah. So, okay, so we definitely, at Foodies Watching Movies, suggest the Sun Gold Kiwi. <laughs> they have a little bit of a sour afterkick, too. Dorks. Yeah, like, it would be good in a chutney. Like ooh. A, um, ooh, we need to serve it on, like, a good. cheese tray. Yeah, let's do that. We have our... <laughs> We yeah, need to go to Whole crappy Foods. cheese that we bought. Our we bought port wine cheese, like we, old ladies. I love ladies. that stuff every once in a while. I do it's too, with Club bad. Crackers. Yeah, the port shit's wine. It's my jam, man. It just, it's the 90s way of feeling, you know, fancy. Fancy. Yeah, just kind of like the, what, what what's the, um, oh, the ice cream thing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, Vianetta. Vianetta. Yeah. Yeah, Briar's Vianetta. <laughs> Who remembers that? That we was talk, my jam. Yeah, we talked about that on, on the show before. I'm sure I we've think. talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I do. I did Ooh. love it. <laughs> Okay, anyways. And they always um, served them in the commercials in little champagne glasses. Yeah, you had a kind of a, a fancy candy bar 
that you had never had before. Yeah, speaking of 90s shit, I've I've never tried one of them before, but I I decided it was a good idea because it was only 78 cents at Walmart. We don't shop at Walmart City. You haven't had this yet? No, I I had it uh, yesterday. You did have one. I tried a piece of it because she opened one. A score bar s-k-o-r delicious milk chocolate crisp butter toffee and hot damn was it ever it was really buttery and really good yeah it's more like traditional toffee than uh like heath bar heath bar is real mm. crumbly kind of like between toffee and what used to be butterfinger but <laughs> i'm still finding the last of the nestle butterfingers at speedway and lowell Gotta they've got them two can. for 222 and uh, they expire. Don't tell everybody. Well, I'm letting everybody know in my <laughs> town because I love them that they expire June of 2019. Oh no! Uh huh. It's uh huh. We got the last. And there's two on the table for We're you. We're gonna be eating expired Butterfingers for months. Good. Well, you know, it's interesting though. I've seen some Butterfingers that we've found in the wild that are still marked till August of nineteen. Oh. Okay, good. Well, the ones so in my are, town are expiring this month. But I think there are Get some extracts that are through nineteen when we were there. Okay. okay. I'm like, shh, don't tell anybody. Oh. Those ones are mine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because those ones are only ninety nine cents. But I'm ta- I'm talking about the stracks in Highland though. Oh, uh-huh. The stracks in Highland. Yeah, yeah. Highland, go there to Highland. <laughs> sure. At the Strax. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I have a question. Answer. Do you like Boschetti? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so I've been wanting to watch this uh, show called. What's a movie? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. movie and a show. Okay, but... let me. Can I just tell the story, Nate? Yes. Sorry. I saw that there was this show on FX called what we do beneath the shadows or something in the what we do in the shadows and it looked hilarious and i was like oh this is funny so i was telling you about it a while ago and you said oh this is actually a movie by blah 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 the same guy who did thor ragnarok taika watiti yeah yeah so i was like okay well we need to watch it and then we never did and then nate found it our buddy had it yeah he's like here have this take this and we finally watched it and it was so fucking funny oh my god Peter's not coming to the meeting. He's 8,000 years old. He's not coming to the meeting. Okay, I don't know if anybody out there has seen what we do in the shadows, but I highly recommend watching it. It was pretty funny. How would you guys explain this movie to a person who... Mm. I got it. Well, if you don't got it, go ahead. When did it come out? 2014? I think it was 14, yeah. 2014. Okay, so this was like in the height of like people still watching reality TV and stuff like that. And also the height of vampire movies. Oh, yeah, Twilight. You're not Twilight. Yeah, I would say if, like, The Office was about vampires. Yeah. Okay. These flatmates are living together. But it's shot in that style. It'll be, like, a little, like, interview, you know, like a one-on-one. Yeah, they have the one-on-one. It's got the the documentary documentary feel. Yeah, the It's reality TV for vampires. Yeah, and then they'll be, like, at a dinner party having dinner, or they'll be having a meeting, or they'll, you know, something will be happening. Flat meeting. Or... You Peter's know. not coming to the meeting. He's 8,000 years old. Yeah, and they talk. <laughs> yeah, one of them is, like, the main guy is, like, an English dandy. So he's, like, real happy all the 18th time. 18th century you know? dandy. And that's Taika Waititi, the guy yeah, that wrote there's another guy that's, like, from medieval times, so he's real brutal, you know, like, doesn't care Vlad about blood Impala. everywhere. Yeah. But then, like, they'll meet other packs of, like, a pack of werewolves. <laughs> They're all bros, you know, with the alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
there's just funny interaction. It's really funny. Like it sounds stupid when you describe it because you know whatever. It, I, it's, it's like really, if you took documentary really now and and made the focus <coughs> vampires, <laughs> but then like. You're giving them kind of real problems, real life. But the whole point of the movie is they're going to go to the Unholy Masquerade. And it's like these documentary yeah. filmmakers have been granted access to be in the, you know, vampire. They're following circle. them around. Yeah. yeah, this whole time that's leading up to this big masquerade ball. Yeah, but it's and it's super Monty Python in the way they, yes. they address the cameras sometimes. Yeah. You know, like they're aware. But like, what are all these cameras doing here? Why are they here? We don't even know why you're here. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like, uh yeah, I I rather it was super you know, I clever. Say Mel Brooks too. It's got a little bit of that feeling in there mm-hmm. to some degree. There was but, a lot of physical gags in it that yeah, were yeah, funny. Yeah, that's what was making me think. Yeah, yeah. definitely Mel had Brooks a Dracula thing. Dead and Loving yeah, It vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm Nick. You know, yeah, Nick. It's my flatmate Stu. It's my flatmate Stu. We're yeah. best buds. It's set in New Zealand. My best bro. Also, which is very interesting. So everybody has like those accents. Yeah, you know? it was adorable. It's um, and the, even like the New Zealand police is scene was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna go up there. See what's we're just going gonna on. check it out. Make sure everything's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a call. Had a little screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I recommend uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. But it spawned a the, TV show yeah. that yeah. we are going to watch on FX, which we're gonna be checking out. Yeah. Nick, do you like Buschetti? <laughs> like that, that was the best part. They were trying to do a lost uh, a lost boys prank on uh, yeah. somebody at a dinner party, and yeah. they're like, "Do you like Buschetti?" Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> Buschetti. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. But what you're really eating is worms. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, and the, and the so music mean, is hilarious. Like, uh, there, there's a scene, the way they set the tone <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, there's, uh, it's not right at the beginning, but it's near the beginning of the movie where they're all like jamming on their old instruments. They have like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like the old like cello <laughs> thing and they've got like these horrible, like it looks like handmade trumpets. Like, yeah. They're horrible. And they all make this horrible, just like this brassy, like awful old school, like tinny sound, you know, like they're like yeah. Tin Pan Alley band, you know, yeah. but they're vampires. So they're trying to play spooky music right. <laughs> on their instruments. <laughs> But I'm trying like, to do an erotic dance for my friends. Yeah. And then they'll be like chasing victims or something through the house or whatever. And the right. horns will start in. <laughs> 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 it's God, just so, so perfect. because they Feral. Like, yeah, feral. That's a great. <laughs> it's very feral. Yeah, oh, so Deacon, really if good. you're going to kill someone in the living room, could you just put down some newspaper oh that was another funny joke he's the dandy's trying to like uh every time he murders somebody but he always ends up biting the wrong vein and getting blood everywhere yeah oh shit but he's real happy about it anyways just smiling he's the awkward smiler that's the yeah resting google face is a smile an awkward smile yeah like everything's okay guys really yeah. Well, we don't want to give away the whole movie. We'll give no, away because oh, okay. I mean, there's so much <laughs> that 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 story has actually a pretty complex plot going on with how they do yeah. everything. Yeah, it's very it's clever. Rife with inside jokes, just like another movie that we love, Tucker and Dale. Ooh, nice segue there. Get on yeah. your pony and ride. We are nearing a sequel. Here's what some of the stars, though Tyler Labine and uh, Alan Tudyk, both have said: it's not going to be like a traditional sequel. 
So are, is it going to be anthology and Tucker and Dale are reset On a new in their adventure. universe mm-hmm. in a totally different setting? And that first situation is its universe. And this is a new, I mean, kind of like Leprechaun versus Leprechaun in space. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I knew about that. Is that real? Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Leprechaun in the hood. That's uh-huh. another oh one. yeah. I've, I, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like God, different there's, there's scenarios with Leprechaun. I mean, there's like all the way up through what Leprechaun four or five or something, six. How many did they make? I don't know. I'll yeah, Google it. I don't know. They made a lot, but too many. They've been making remaking a I lot of those movies. movies when I was a kid. Like, there's a few of them that are. Like, I'm the Leprechaun. Yeah, <laughs> they're so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. So that movie, bad. the first one, scared me when I yeah. saw it when I was little with Jen Aniston. Yeah. <laughs> there was one of them. I don't remember which one it was. We were watching it at a slumber party when I was a kid. They were great slumber and party movies. The leprechaun gets in a high chair, like an old school with the wheels at the bottom, and like starts chasing after a car. <laughs> and they speed up the film, and he's like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just going really, really fast, like the speed of the car. <laughs> You know, chasing him in a high chair. Yeah. And I was just looking at this as a kid, just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it set the tone for a lot of things in my life. Uh-huh. That explains so. a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I always love that. I love that campy shit. I don't know. It's just like, so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into a deeper discussion of horror movies. So there's Leprechaun. <laughs> Leprechaun 2. Okay. Leprechaun 3. Yeah. Leprechaun 4 in space. In space. In space. Okay. Leprechaun in the hood. In the hood. I, oh, yeah, yeah. Leprechaun back to the hood. Back to the <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Leprechaun Origins. Origins. We need to know. And I there's another and there's another Leprechaun Seven. that's just coming out. There's another does yeah. he get married? Is there going to be like a lady leprechaun? Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Wait, they I had it. In this. They made the dipped. bride of Chucky. My God, they're making another child's play movie, guys. Really? Yeah. Ah, Why? 2018 Leprechaun Returns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's Leprechaun <gasps> Origins and Leprechaun. Hey Nate, Returns. when is the new child's play movie coming it's out. out? It's out now. It's out in theaters right now. Just like that. Other Aubrey movie. Plaza playing the mom of the kid. Oh Jesus! Really? Yeah. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, I heard she does a fantastic job. <laughs> Yeah, she was on have Hot a Ones. To see this, <laughs> Child's Man. Play. Yeah. But I heard that it's creepy, and Mark Hamill does a great job as Chucky. Mark Hamill is Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think Damn Sarah it. needs to go to the movies. I don't want. I'll watch that one after the fact. I'm gonna have to watch it now, though. Yeah. Mark Hamill is Chucky. We'll yeah. watch it when it comes out on DVD. I gotta on see Blu-ray. that. Yeah, it's a spicy meatball. How funny! Oh, I didn't like. The, I didn't like a lot of the Chucky movies. Some of them were really like. I loved. Dude, gnarly. Child's Play three Bride was fucking Chucky. dark. He replaces all the fucking paintball guns with real guns, so these kids in this academy start killing each other. Yeah, oh. I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> they were a little. I don't know something. Maybe the it's fucking... just because I was a kid and. You know, you have dolls. And- yeah, the first Child's Play movie scared the shit yeah, out of me. the first one was really... Dude, or the the second one the is the one where man. Chucky gets all the parts, like, stabbed into him, right? Child's Play 2 is where he ends, like, on the conveyor belt. Or yeah, that's yeah. Two, two, two. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that was really... And even then, they're like, oh, and he's still alive. 2 know? also <laughs> had the scene where he slashes that lady's fucking Achilles heel as she's going down the basement stairs. Oh, I, I think you're remembering that... 
I think you're remembering more about these movies than I ever will. Yeah. I don't want to remember about these movies. I blocked them out. Yeah, there was... They a- were... Yeah, that was from my youth, but I did like Bride of Chucky. Well, that one was super campy. I loved it. Jennifer Tilly. Loved Jennifer Tilly in that yeah, movie. Yeah, that was... That, that was so even a horror fucking movie. dumb. I like, loved it. That was a love story with dolls. That was like... Yeah. That was like if... It, and Rob Zombie. <laughs> that played it with creepy doth, goth dolls growing up, or like, we didn't have those, so like, if you cut your Barbie doll's hair and like, dyed it with a Sharpie. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing, and you yeah. had your goth Barbie totally. prom. And that, that's what that movie that's, was. Mm-hmm. That's you who know, that was for. All the spooky kids. <laughs> <laughs> spooky babies. You know what's funny to me about you guys? I don't think horror movies affect you like normal. That they, they affect you to. differently. That Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think yeah. that real world weird situations affect you guys more. Like documentaries about crazy shit. I've seen you guys react to more than some horror movies. Because it's real. Because it's real. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because it's real. Like Free Solo. I can't believe you made me watch that movie. I have vertigo. I have vertigo. It was Sarah was so, so mad. Good. Tell me it was so good, though, I right? was sitting there, like, there was points when literally my... I've never said this before, but my fucking jaw <laughs> dropped. I was like, <gasps> oh my God. You Wait, know, tighten your butt cheeks. Like, Whoa. yeah, I tensed up a few times. Yeah, I specifically remember the part with when, when he was on the rope. And he was, by the way, you should say that the, what this movie's about uh, okay. before we start babbling about it. Yeah, so let me, let me preface real quick that Free Solo is a movie about this guy, Alex, who. Uh, in 2015 or 2016, decided he was going to climb El Capitan, which is this rock face in Yosemite National Park that's over 3,000 feet tall. The Cliffs of Insanity. Essentially, yeah, yeah the Cliffs of Insanity. But the thing is, is that he wanted to free solo it. You're like, what's free solo, Nate? That means that you are not using any ropes, any system to protect you. You climb it. With no safety yeah, net. Yeah, like as a natural climb, like you're climbing a tree. Exactly. And you go to the top, right? <clears throat> so this movie takes place over the course of a couple of years. They're filming his attempts with ropes so he can really understand the mountain. He's doing Like he had climbs. a plan. He, he does. had every little crack of that mountain memorized and foot placement yeah, and hand can, movement. Can I say something about that that it was fascinating to me? Sure. That I didn't know. I mean, I had like in the back of my mind like, oh, they probably do this. But like I didn't quite understand that these climbers actually make maps of the rock face. Like an actual right. map with different nodes and different names for things and different points on the map. Just like you were traversing land. Like right. traversing vertical land, and they make these maps of things, and so you was, know where you're not going to die. Yeah, and I was just fascinated like that by that because I I thought, oh, of course they do because rocks don't change. I mean, how 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 long does it take for a rock face that you know? And they're of course mapping rocks that are actually part structurally part of the the thing. Right. You know, they're not mapping rocks that, oh, you know, too many people walked on this rock and now it, it broke off, you know. Right. They're they're mapping parts that are not going to change for a really long time. And it's the grip strength that this guy had, like this was a part I was going to talk about that I, I 
visibly watched you tense up because he had the ropes <laughs> and he was going around this one corner and all that you could do there was like two paths that you could take there was one of them that you could it's go the boulder problem around, yeah you could go around this corner that was like slick as like like glass it's the teflon yeah. corner yeah where he literally was taking just his thumb and like his two like like his, his middle finger and pointer finger right and on one hand, having to just grip with just that. Putting just, his little thumb in a little spot. the toe of his shoe on a notch in the rock that you could barely see. And no ropes. And this was how this man was going to do. And then had to jump from that. Well, no, no. Well, he had, no, no. Let, let me explain. He talks about that. If you're doing the boulder problem instead of the Teflon corner, because the Teflon corner is like these, this, essentially a corner it's very slick it's glass you have to like ninja warrior left right it up right Mm -hmm. but the boulder problem you have you can solve it one of two ways you can do the jump to a ledge but jumping but you have to jump with both of your hands you're completely off of and grip a ledge that's so tiny i mean it's 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 an inch right or you can do the karate kick the karate kick, though, requires you essentially to just throw your foot off the mountain and yeah. hope you get this ledge. Now, And mind you, this is not even a sloping mountain. This is a vertical cliff Correct. that this guy's climbing. Straight up. Right. Straight, it's this straight is like up. Straight up. This is not like a mountain at least has slopes and valleys and resting places. This is a straight, what did they say, three hours and almost four hours. It was like three hours and 50 minutes or something that mm-hmm. he, he finally climbed it at mm-hmm. the end. Of solid climbing with no ropes. I mean, yeah. That and is if he said that he did it because he wanted to f- feel perfect and that have that one moment where he knew he was perfect, right? Because you if you're not be. perfect, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, they go into the whole thing that this dude's brain is just not. It doesn't process fear in his at all. amygdala. It literally just, doesn't trigger. Yeah, they did an MRI to see, and then they showed him st- what stimulates other people's amygdalas, their fear receptors, and his didn't go off at all, being shown the same images as the control groups. Didn't so he doesn't flinch. have fear receptors. That's why he's able to do this, Right. because it doesn't scare him. I'm going to talk about horror movies. That's a horror movie. Psycho. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> kind of why solo. I said it. It's a horror movie. I, and he like was kind that. of an a-hole, too. I mean, it's because he's kind of... It was the Asperger's thing. Absolutely. It was the, like, He yeah, just doesn't connect with people the no, same. No, there was no empathy there. There was right. no... Like, he did not understand why his friends like, would be upset like, that he was going on a mountain with no ropes. Well, he kind of did here and there. He was like, I just feel bad. Like, I don't want to, you know, be killed in front of my friends. I feel but bad for my friends, that's but not understanding, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's not understanding what that means. Right? I will say there was a line he said that made me crack up, and I maybe shouldn't have made me crack up but he was talking about his girlfriend and he's like and i mean if i perish you're just gonna move on like just the fact that he used <laughs> yeah, the word yeah. perish he didn't yeah. say if i die mm-hmm. he said if i perish like man his little girlfriend was something else wasn't she? man she fucking almost Ooh. killed him twice. twice twice yeah he fell off the mountain twice because of her yep. with ropes obviously but <laughs> hurt his back so much better Hurt well, his ankle. Hurt his back and nearly yeah. broke his ankle. I mean, he tore a bunch of ligaments, you know, sprained ankles, which... Yeah. That, that's another crazy At that crazy point, thing. I'd be like, uh, honey, maybe you should just sit this one out. He was five weeks off of that ankle injury and did free solo. Mm-hmm. Five yeah. weeks. Typical, a sprained ankle like that takes six months to fully recover from. Right. 
Well, it takes a really long time. Yeah. Truth be told, Truth, I mean, truthfully, you'll feel yeah. it off and on like for really years. Long. Yeah. And this was a Nat Geo uh, documentary, so it was yeah. really high quality imagery. Oh, like man. the cinematography was incredible. The, the camera and lenses they had. It won best had. documentary for the yeah. Oscar. Continue. Sorry. And uh, they actually had to have a team climb up with him to be filming it, you know. But they were far away. Yeah, the the poor camera crews were just like sweating bullets the whole time, like just waiting to watch their friend die. That one dude. Hoping to God it didn't happen. That one dude, he just is sitting there and he's just like, yep, this is going to happen. Like, there's, (laughs) we're not coming back. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what and we're going like, to do. he's like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, though, because he had climbed it so many times that it's not just that he had it written down and mapped out. He could tell you without even looking at his map. And he would even say, he's like, if I get past Boulder Problem, it's autopilot. I can right. climb this mountain with no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can actually see, I mean... I'm not trying to spoil the movie, but obviously he doesn't die. Like, let's be real. We're not morose and gruesome. Right. Like, it's very uplifting and very powerful what he does. But to witness it is just like. It was in a really, really intense movie. Whoa. I I don't typically like watching movies like that, uh, especially when it was showing him like going uh, like basically there's one position where he's climbing in this like crack and it was getting really claustrophobic feeling for me. And I don't like that. But it's like just thinking about all of the pressure on his body well like from this mountain just like crushing him as he's trying to like climb oh it's just awful and he has to be crushed by it he even says that he's like no matter what when you're during the enduro is that's the part of enduro that you're talking about Mm -hmm. like you are being crushed by the mountain Mm -hmm. as you're holding on to the mountain (laughs) to not fall right you have to choose to be crushed in order to go up Mm -hmm. that's intense yeah you make one wrong move and your life is over as you know it here's something here's something not related to that well related to that movie but not in that movie that's recent a 10 year old girl just did the same thing he did but with rope youngest person to ever climb el capitan (coughs) that's wild yeah i have no interest in doing that like i went i was telling you guys i went skydiving when i turned 18 with my stepdad and I fell out of an airplane, and I free fell thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. And I was too scared to pull the parachute, so the other guy, the you know, it was a tandem jump. So I told him ahead of time, I was like, there's no fucking way I'm pulling the parachute cord. If we're going to die, it's going to be your fault, not mine. And he's like, okay, so I'll pull the cord. And then we did, but after like a minute of, it was like a full minute of free falling, and when you first fall out of an airplane, the air just gets punched out of your gut. Like, you can't breathe because it's just like, you know? And I couldn't breathe, like, the whole time we were free-falling until he pulled the parachute. And then, like, it's so jarring, it, like, hurts you, you know? And you're just like, ah, shit. So I would never go skydiving again. I did it once. I'm so happy that I did it because it was a really interesting experience. And you can say you've done it. And I can say I did it, yeah, yeah. It was really cool to be able to say, like, I fell out of the sky and got to feel what it would feel like and didn't die. So that's cool. <laughs> but I don't ever need to do anything like that again. I don't need to twist fate or tempt fate like that. I don't need to do that ever yeah. in my lifetime. I just feel I'm like... okay with that. <clears throat> I don't need to ever do that. 
I don't even like it on tall buildings. It's like my existence itself is living dangerously enough. Like, I don't need to go and jump out of a plane and see how that goes. Because yeah, knowing my luck, I would trip. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would trip out of the plane before How many even Pepsis you a... have a day is becoming worrisome. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. only one, actually, today. Today. Today's yeah, one. I'm doing pretty good today. Um, we finally have replaced our Thai food restaurant. Oh, excellent oh, news, yeah. everybody. Excellent, excellent news. I mean... Our, our long-gone Thai, Thai food void. Has been filled. Yeah, the void. So it's filled. interesting because you had said you wanted Thai food. We were going to pick up some Thai food. And I was like, man, didn't, you, didn't we see somewhere there was a new Thai place? And you're like, yeah, but I can't remember. I'm not sure. So I used the Google machine because it's fucking 2019. Google machine tells me where it is. Spice Thai, it's in Maryville. We got it. It was like eating exotic Thai all over again. It like hit me. It was perfect. It was so good. And they perfect. were super nice. And the place was really cute inside and had like comic book art all over the walls. It was like the perfect little Thai restaurant for Nate. Yeah. It was like just for you. It's a win. I can't wait to try their red curry. That's my next play. Mm. Yeah, next time we go, I'm getting the red curry. I've already made up my mind. Yeah, that was good. The crab rangoon was good. You didn't try a crab rangoon, though, did you? Mm-mm. I just had mine. The crab rangoon was interesting. They used, like, um, the wonton wrappers, but they were, like, egg roll wrappers, so they're a little bit thicker. Normally, I, I like the, th- the thinner, crispier ones, but... It's still the filling was you could tell was homemade and was really good. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Yeah, I'm stoked that we have a new Thai place. Can't wait to have it again. I give it. I give it four and a half out of five Podwin cents. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Four out of five crab rangoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to talk about we always get house pizza here on the podcast. Yeah, it's kind of jam. has been a staple for many years. It's almost like a part of the foodies watching movies. Bloodline is the Elliot program, is it? You know, yeah. <laughs> correct, I mean, correct. I mean, seriously, how many episodes have we had it while we've been doing the podcast or the Plenty. day of? Plenty. Plenty. Too many to even count. It is my favorite. So we finally stepped outside of the box and tried something different off their menu. It was time. Yes, do, it was do finally tell. time. I decided to get us uh, instead of getting the giant cheese pizza that I normally would get thin crust. Thin crust. I got the large double crust cheese pizza, and it was super good. It was totally worth the the change. I am very pleased. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. thick and juicy and delicious. Ew, that just made it sound gross. Uh, what? Ew, you can't crispy. say juicy with pizza. Ugh. Yeah, I just ruined it. It was just like no. the the cheese was just Ew. oozing. Ew. Oh, you're just the worst today. Oh, my God. Let me save this. Okay. Oh, fuck. That was nasty. Okay. Don't ruin House of Peace for me, Nate. It was very good. It was none of those awful words. It was luscious sorry soft and delicious crispy the, the bottom was crispy yeah yeah the crust was nice chewy. it was a little chewy i feel like it um would have been better with toppings yeah, because it it's a thicker pizza we never get toppings on house of pizza because of the crust issue you know i like it thin like that and thin and chewy i suppose <laughs> yeah they're well they have like a range of crispy to chewy on that thin crust it just depends depends on, on who's making it depends on yeah. the day usually on the weekends it's pretty perfect but i prefer the thicker 
crust. Well, I'm glad it worked out because, you know, after it got a little, after it sat out a little bit and wasn't super hot and melty, I was able to peel like a bottom layer of crunchy crust off. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, it was like I had two in one. I had thin crust and thick crust pizza all from the same pizza. So it was a perfect order. I would do it again. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, I'd do it again. Next time I'd I'd do it again with like mushrooms. Oh, that would be delicious. So, Nate, I have a question for you. Sure. Would you buy... The Pringles, mystery Pringles again. Speaking of doing again. You know what's weird? When they come out with what the flavor actually is, no. Because I don't really like, I didn't really like them that much. Like They were kind of only okay. They weren't like spectacular. Yeah. Tell them what you bought first because so, I just kind of threw that in No, no, no. I'm glad you asked me that question because we were at Walgreens and Walgreens is like, we've got the exclusive mystery Pringles flavor. And I'm like, holy shit, what is this thing? And it's like all interesting looking and whatnot. And I grab it. I'm like, I have to try this for foodies. Like, I have to know, right? I mean, I look at you guys. I'm like, seriously, like, duh. This is duh. And, of course, we got them. And it was like bacon cheddar burger. Ugh. Or some sort of brisket with cheddar on it. They haven't revealed. They haven't revealed, but it's like that's where my my taste was. Sarah thought something different, though. What yeah. was your guess? Uh, my guess was BLT sandwich, because it has like this weird salty bacony thing. It has like a cheesy thing, and it has like a grassy kind of a thing. Definitely a BLT thing. Which made me think of BLT. I didn't try them. I hate Pringles. I'm yeah, gonna say it. it. You'll hate it. Not even ashamed. I don't I like didn't Pringles. Even offer it to you. No, you didn't. <laughs> she knows better. I do not like Pringles at all. Ollie likes Pringles. He likes the sour cream and onion Pringles. Oh yeah, that's Ooh, classic. Those were a slumber party staple. Uh, they were always Everybody at the slumber those. parties, and I always got so mad because I hated them. Those ones in the pizza Pringles. Those ones. Ooh, pizza Pringles pizza are. Ones. Hey, do you guys remember the in the nineties there was chips that were pizzerias? They were called pizzerias, and they tasted like Doritos, but yeah, they were with oregano. Yeah, yeah, like yeah I remember chips. those. They were my fucking pizza favorite. They were like, chips. Um, they those were, were the best chips. Like tor- like like tor- They were tortilla chips, but but they weren't like. Corn chips. They no, they like had like tortillas. pizza seasoning on them. Yeah, with pizza seasoning. Yeah, they were called pizzerias. Yeah, I remember those. I want them. They don't Long exist gone. anymore, probably. Maybe on eBay. <laughs> They'd be super old be and like stale as fuck. Thirty years old, but I'd eat it <laughs> just for memories purposes. Sure. Or at least I just open the bag and smell it and be like, oh. Yeah, that was a '90s thing. They were my favorite. You know, I I also got a different kind of Pringles when I <sighs> got the mystery Pringles. I got extreme dill pickle. They were extreme. They are extreme. They're Extremely really good. Briny. They're mm. good with grilled cheese though. Because yeah, it's like right. having a grilled cheese sandwich without the actual pickle, and then you put. I the like chip the Lay's it. dill pickle chips yeah, with grilled cheeses. But the extreme. I love those. pickles on my grilled cheese. Um, yeah, I love tomato and pickle on my grilled cheese. I make the best grilled cheese. They were good grilled cheeses that day. They're always good. I have a system. They're good. Flawless. <laughs> I don't know. I like my grilled cheeses better. Ollie likes mine better. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's okay. I never make grilled cheeses for Ollie because he never wants them. Because I make better grilled cheese. Uh, Not because you make better grilled cheese. Like, I've literally only made Oliver grilled cheese probably once in the past, like, three years. And he ate it. (laughs) But he never wants it. He never asks for it. That was, like, my favorite thing when I was little was anything with cheese. Grilled cheese, mac and cheese, cheese pizza. I knew that I had made a home run grilled cheese when Ollie took a bite and then called for your mom to come have a bite of his grilled cheese. <laughs> did he? And she did too. And he, she was Aww. like, mm. 
mm. like she was like actually jamming it yeah i just uh yeah i cook with a lot of butter <laughs> yeah she cook with a lot of butter not too much though i've been putting the cheese on the outside of the bread as well as on the inside of the bread, That's like shredded favorite. cheese. Yeah, he mm-hmm. Ollie getting mad at me for doing that. Yeah, Ollie didn't like that. But I did it the same the first time I made it for him, and he had no idea. It's just because I showed him that I did that. Right. He's super picky, just like I was. <sighs> like a like mother, like child, I guess. True yeah. that. Kids are weird, though. Like, if they see you doing something, it's different. Yeah, just, like, exactly. If just right, if you just present food, it to them, they yeah. they won't question it. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, okay, whatever. But if you explain to them, they're like, oh, fuck that. I don't want that. Right. No, I don't like that. No way. Uh, no, of course I don't like that. No, I don't like butter. I don't like cheese. And it yes, wouldn't you have do. Been you on eat them. butter and cheese together every day in different combinations. Yeah. No, I don't like that. Yeah. Kids, no. kid stuff. Speaking of kid stuff, didn't you watch a couple movies with Ollie recently? I did, yeah. Our new summer schedule is different. My ex-husband gets him for a week in the summer, and then I get him the following week. And then we just switch off. So we have him each for you know, the same amount of time during the summer. It's supposed to be equal and all that stuff. Yeah. It's been really hard for me. I don't like being away from my kid that long. But on the other hand, it has been nice being able to have him on the weekends, you know, here and there. Because usually he's at his dad's on the weekends, so... Now I've, I have more time to spend doing things with him. And we went to, there's, our, our family video closed last year. That was like me and his favorite thing to do was go get gumballs at the video store and rent a game or like pick out a movie just to have on or whatever. And we decided to go to the Red Box at the grocery store because that's like our only option now. Red Box down by the Dollar yeah. General. So I let him pick out a movie. He picked out Batman versus Ninja Turtles. Fuck yeah. Which he I did. was like, how is this even a thing? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it was so good. We both really liked it. Like, the first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking terrible. The animation sucks. And then after, like, 20 minutes, I was so into it. I was like, yeah, Donnie's fighting Batman. This is this. It was great. You know, we've been watching a lot of Teen Titans Go. So he was excited when Rob, like, he's super into it. And he really liked it. It was a good movie. I recommend it. Slightly dark, like, I probably, had I known what this movie, I just thought it was Ninja Turtles and Batman, but uh, it was a little dark. There was some blood in it and actual, like, murders and stuff. The tone got a little dark and you're like, shit. The tone was a little dark. It, it would have been okay if maybe he was, like, eight. Fair. But he Fair. doesn't care. He's totally desensitized to stuff like that because apparently he watches all sorts of nefarious things at his dad's house, like shark <laughs> movies and monster movies and... But that's neither here nor there. I figured he could handle Batman and Ninja Turtles, and he did. He liked it. The other movie we watched was the new Mary Poppins movie that came out with Mary last Poppins year. Mary Poppins Returns? Yeah, with Emily Blunt. I was terribly disappointed. It just made me want to watch <laughs> Julie Andrews on loop. So it was hot garbage. No, it just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't for me. It was for this generation. Yondu makes children. a very Mary Poppins anyways. Yeah. I'm Mary Poppins, yo! Yeah, he was a better Mary Poppins. Well, Emily Blunt did her best. I thought that she played a good Mary Poppins. I really like her. I think she's um, she she had the right energy to it, I guess. But it was a uh, it was very 2019, and it was like they they uh, made the exact same movie just with the the children from the first movie were the main characters of this movie and this time they were the adults and the parents and the banker and the 
I don't know. It was like the same story, trying to save the father, the children trying to save the father. The same as the first movie. It's like... They just recycled it and updated it. It would have been cool to have them in a totally different adventure with different family because then it would be more like... It wouldn't be taking away from... The original story. My memories of it, I guess. Right, because Mary They didn't Poppins, even utilize the score, man. Yeah, like, and Mary Poppins went off to do other things. Right, she went children. off on other adventures. Yeah, they right. needed her. And this movie takes place, like, you know, 25 years later, whatever. They And, you know, Michael, the little boy from the first movie, is a grown-up with... He's a widower with uh, three children and the same uh, lady helping in the house, you know... Ellen, their their cook or whatever. Mm. And it was just, I don't, I hate when character, I realized that Mary Poppins came out in like the 60s and mm. that they would have to recast characters like yeah. Admiral Boom and Ellen and all of these people. But I didn't want that. I didn't want that at all. It I will just... say Dick Van Dyke made a nice little cameo at the end oh, as his, well. uh, as a, yeah. One of the characters from the first movie, the old banker. Yeah, using using the original characters as cameos would have been much, much better. Right. Like that. Yeah, it just I'm just thinking about, I, was, I haven't seen this, but yeah, if I was to, you know, have another story in that vein, like, I mean, they never explain what the deal is with Mary Poppins, do they? Like, No, she's just magic. She's just magic. She so comes like, when you need her. Yeah, so like, maybe she's like, they could have imagined her as like a race. You know, like maybe there's other other nannies, other nannies, like or other like, you know, people that have this specific like to the Poppins mobile caretaking power. Well, uh, they explained her disappearance off as like, you know, she just went off to go do other things. And then uh, they explain it as the magic just wears off like the next day. Yeah, they won't remember any of those things. They'll just think it was their imagination. You know. Like, all of the things that happened to the children, like, they really did jump into a chalk pavement pitcher and, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever, all those things. Like, they just said, remember all those things we used to imagine about her? Hmm. And it's like, Ugh. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, it was all real. Oh, everything's magic. Boy. I don't ever need to see it again. I'll <laughs> stick with the original. Yeah. Womp, That's all womp, I want to say about womp. that. So let's close with some food for thought, Sarah. There's a movie that you really... You don't talk a lot about a lot of movies when they're in theaters, but there's a movie you've been like, we need to go see this movie in theaters while it's out in theaters. We need to go see this movie ASAP, The Dead Don't Die, featuring Bill Murray, Adam Driver. Yeah, because I like both of them. Yeah. I like a zombie movie, and I'm hoping that it's good. I don't know if it's good or not. I'm sure I could look on the internet and see if it's gotten any good reviews, but sometimes movies that get really bad reviews, I actually like. So I don't go by reviews. I just right. I don't either. That like, like that one so. time that somebody <laughs> told us. Promising. Like that one time someone told us Repo was a terrible movie because it got like two point two stars on whatever, and then someone really ended up liking it. Remember, you like it, Repo yeah. the Genetic Opera. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah. Do you know I'm? But it got really low scores. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I could did. see why it got really low scores. Well, I mean, Paris Hilton was in it. Everybody it was not a great that. movie. That was a that was a thing. Um, we put it on the other day, and we're like, no, it doesn't really hold up, does it? It was, yeah. It's interesting because I remember really liking it <coughs> when it. Um, Maybe it's it just because it was out. like a time and place thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It was. Uh, 
it's so silly. That movie's so silly. You know, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. Grave robbing. And uh, parts that are part that are you know loaned to people. And then they had like legit opera singers. Yeah, in that movie. Sarah Brightman. And uh, what's his? What's the guy that was the old guy, the banker guy? Um, I can't remember his name now. I think he was an opera singer too. Oh the yeah, the guy, the, had the, the father. Yeah, the father. Um, I can't remember his name now. Google that shit. But uh, yeah. Anyways, he um. What I was gonna say. Sorry, I got it's okay. Yeah, we're just talking about repo. Oh, repo. That's right. We're talking about that. Um, do you got? Do you know who worked on the score for that? That's what I was gonna say earlier. Who that? Uh, the guy, um, TSOL's keyboard player. Oh no, no way. way. Yeah, yeah. That was I. I believe that was his breakthrough into film or mm. into doing doing film work. I think that I'm is that what sure he's doing now. Yeah, he does film scores now. Mm. Um, well, back and forth. I think he still plays for TSOL every now and again. Obviously, he didn't play for them when we saw them. But right, um, I that would have been cool. Maybe though. when they do more local shows for him, he maybe he plays with them still. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he does like film scoring and, and works on movie music and stuff now. Uh, dabbles in a lot of things. I guess he's a uh, just been in Hollywood a while. You know, when you when you do a lot of different things, you just you end up being a jack of all trades out there. Right, you right. Know, lots of hands in a lot of different places, but mm-hmm. um but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where he got his start into doing movie stuff. Repo. Repo, the genetic opera. Yeah. Is it still on Netflix? Yeah, I think his name is Greg Kuhn. His last name starts with a K. Like K E U H K U H. I don't remember. I think Repo name. might be on Hulu now. Mm. Or it's it's on one of the two. It's either on Hulu or Netflix. It might be on Netflix. I just can't remember. Yeah, it, it does feel very me. much like a product of its time, though. Like, yeah. I watch it almost like a Queen of the Damned. That really is a product of its time. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That's a new metal project of its time. Oh, yes, it is. That's mm-hmm. yikes. We've talked about that. Yes, we have. <laughs> I just. <laughs> It just it just struck a chord there for a minute. Were there any other movies that we wanted to see that are out? I know I wanted to see that uh, Elton John movie. Rocket Man, mm-hmm. yeah. That one's been getting good reviews, right? Lots of people saying Rocket Man is phenomenal. It's a really good take, and that maybe it was a little extreme, but Elton John says it's dead on, and that's his story, and he had to hand in producing it and making it what it is. So. Well, who knows if it's the real story or not. It's what he wants his story to be then. You're right. You're and right. that's fine. Whatever. I'll take that version of it. But, I like glitz uh, and glam. You know, next time we have a podcast, the new Spider-Man will have come out, and I'm excited for that. The closing of, you know, it's crazy. The runtime for Spider-Man: Far From Home is one is 129 minutes. That time added up with all the previous movies' time runtimes. Do you know what the total is? No. Three thousand minutes. Marvel loves you. Three thousand. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Like all the first saga of movies is 3,000 minutes exactly. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> huh. How much planning actually went into that? None. That None. They just came... That, But that's... How? It's Are not... Because they're not going to stop making movies. But this is the end of the first saga, is what I'm saying. This is literally... Spider-Man Far From Home is the epilogue of Maybe the, one of the editors noticed it and was like, "Oh, let's just tack add on three extra one minutes. more minute. <laughs> Take away two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possible. Who knows? It is possible that way. But 
I don't know. That seems like like f- film movie lore. Something. Interesting coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. But I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Foodies Watching Movies, folks. You guys can check us out every other Wednesday right here on the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Subscribe on iTunes. Oh, I just did that. Uh, I'm on a loop. It happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. But also get us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Journey into Comics. Give us a buck for early access and or exclusive content, just depending on what we're feeling like putting out for you guys. Next episode's episode 21. We're getting ready to gear up for the 90s bracket. We're going to be doing that. Is it time already? It's already. We're almost to the season finale of season three of Foodies. We're only three or four episodes out here. Hot damn. Next week, I think we'll have the... We're probably going to have the pours over this weekend to record episode 21 because then they're going to be going on their honeymoon and we'll be away for a little bit. So we're going to give them a nice little vacay and we're going to... Sweet. Nice Kick ass and takes names. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Foodies Watching Movies, season three, episode twenty. Do you like biscotti? <laughs> I have been your host, Nate. I'm Veronica. Sarah. And as always, have a great one and eat fearless. Later, everyone.